Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This morning we'll be wrapping up the 11th chapter of Daniel. And if you're using the Pew Bibles, you'll see that that is on page 1393. Verses 36 through 45 to the end of the chapter. The king will do as he pleases. He will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will say unheard of things against the god of gods. He will be successful until the time of wrath is completed, for what has been determined must take place. He will show no regard for the gods of his fathers or for the one desired by women, nor will he regard any god, but will exalt himself above them all. Instead of them, he will honor a god of fortresses, a god unknown to his fathers he will honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and costly gifts. He will attack the mightiest fortresses with the help of a foreign god, and will greatly honor those who acknowledge him. He will make them rulers over many people and will distribute the land at a price. At the time of the end, the king of the south will engage him in battle, and the king of the north will storm out against him with chariots and cavalry and a great fleet of ships. He will invade many countries and sweep through them like a flood. He will also invade the beautiful land. Many countries will fall, but Edom, Moab, and the leaders of Ammon will be delivered from his hand. He will extend his power over many countries. Egypt will not escape. He will gain control of the treasures of gold and silver and all the riches of Egypt with the Libyans and Nubians in submission. But reports from the east and the north will alarm him, and he will set out in a great rage to destroy and annihilate many. He will pitch his royal tents against the sea at the beautiful holy mountain. Yet he will come to his end, and no one will help him. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to our hearts this morning. Thank you, Rick. Who's it talking about? The Antichrist. Antichrist, and uh, the title of this message is The Antichrist and the Battle of Armageddon. The Antichrist and the Battle of Armageddon. Let's open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this being here today. We thank you for your word, and we ask that you would give us understanding of it. Help us to concentrate and be tuned in and not be distracted. Make it plain we pray because these things will happen because it's been written in your word and it's yet to come. So we need to know what's going on and what's gonna happen in the future for our sakes and for the loved ones that do not know you as savior. Challenge us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. There's at least 60 verses plus regarding the Antichrist, the Antichrist in the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
And these final verses in chapter 11, we've got one more chapter after today. Chapter 12, the final chapter in the book of Daniel. And uh, then we'll move on to another book in the New Testament, Lord willing. So chapter 11, it shifts from prophecies that have already been fulfilled, that's already happened, that we know from historical records, to what will happen in the future, things that have yet to happen. We know they are yet to happen because the Antichrist has not been revealed yet, regardless of what some people believe. Certain individuals were the Antichrist, you know, you name it, you name him, you name him. There's tons of different people that have been, it's Hitler, and it's Obama, or it's Trump, or whatever, you know, it's just nonsense. Uh, we'll know him uh, when he comes, but uh, scripture gives us some pretty good descriptions. In Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, and there's also 1 John 2, 3, it says, don't let anyone deceive you in any way. So there's a lot of false prophets out there. Has been, always will be. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way for that day. When we talk about that day, it's referring to the Lord's return when the Bible talks about that day, okay? Will not come, that day will not come, Jesus' return, until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. Who's that? The Antichrist, the man doomed to destruction. In other words, his name is the son of perdition, the son of hell. He's been going to be raised up by Satan, uh, but he won't win. But who is this Antichrist? We've already uh, looked into him and who he is back in Daniel chapter 7. We're going to learn more today and also uh, what the Battle of Armageddon is all about. You've heard that word many times, I'm sure. I think they made a movie of called Armageddon too. What's his name? Who was a star? Can you tell me? No. Anyway, doesn't matter. We'll know him when he comes. Verse 36, the king will do as he pleases. He will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will say unheard of things against the god of gods. So he's against Christ. He's anti Christ. He's opposed to Christ. You with me so far? He's going to be the world's first, not the world's first dictator, but the dictator of the world. Number one, numero uno. He will appear to every race and every religious group on the face of the earth, and there'll be a falling away. So-called believers. Well, just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian, does it? Neither going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger, you know. You're gonna, the Lord's going to raise up the wheat with the tares. So, you know, they may talk the talk, but by their fruits, you shall know them. Amen? By their fruits. All right, I won't say any more than that. I could, but I won't. He's going to appeal to every race, every religious group, apart from true believers. Deceive many. He's going to be the great deceiver. The great peacemaker, the man of peace. He's going to make a peace covenant with Israel. Halfway through, the, he's going to break that covenant with Israel. Halfway through the tribulation period, it will last for seven years. The beginning of the tribulation period, he's going to make peace with Israel, a covenant. The great man of peace, 
given the impression that he's the only one that can solve all the world's problems. He's the only one that can solve all the Middle East problems, and Israel is going to fall for it. He's the false Messiah. People are going to believe he is the one. He is the Messiah. He's going to be doing signs and wonders to convince people and lead people astray, the majority of people in this world. And he will demand to be worshipped because he thinks, I'm God. Hey, I'm the Messiah. You need to worship me. Second Thessalonians 2.4, he opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God and is worshipped so that he, as God, sits in the temple of God in Jerusalem when it gets rebuilt, which it will, showing himself that he is God. He's going to set up an image of himself in the temple. That's the abomination of desolation. It says that in verse 37, he's got no regard for his ancestors. He will show no regard for the gods, small g, of his ancestors. No regard, because he is God. Why should he regard any, any other God? Now, people assume, and they might be right, that the Antichrist must be Jewish, because the nation of Israel would never sign a covenant with a Gentile. But we know for a fact there's many politicians that have been involved in peace negotiations, with Israel in the past. You can probably think of a few off the top of your head if you know anything about history, don't you? Most of them are Gentiles. So that's one theory. The Antichrist could be a Jew, but then he could be a Gentile. It more leans towards the fact that he will be Jewish because why would the Jews believe that he's the Messiah? Right? Think about that. Why would they believe they're waiting for the Messiah? Yes? He's come and gone. So why would the Jews believe that he's Messiah if he's not Jewish? So that's a good argument, isn't it? In the favor that he is Jewish. However, he might be a Gentile. He said he will have no regard for the gods of his ancestors. Well, if he was a Jew and his ancestors were Jewish, they didn't worship any old god, did they? They were the only nation on the face of the earth that believed in the one true God. And it says here, he will have no regard for the gods of his ancestors. Plural, small g. So he could be a Jew or he could be a Gentile. And it says that he has no desire for women in the same verse, 37, or for the one desired by women. Now, some people assume by this verse that the Antichrist, because he's got no regard for women, he must be a homosexual. He may be. It could also mean he has no desire to please anybody, whether male or female, because he's a god. Who does he need apart from himself? Kisses the mirror every day. Nor will he regard any god, but will exalt himself above all. In other words, he's going to be an atheist. So we're learning a lot about the Antichrist this morning, aren't we? And... In verse 39, he will attack the mightiest fortress with the help of a foreign god. Well, this foreign god, his master, his god, is Satan. All right? Now, don't ask me why God's allowing this to happen, but he is. Because he knows what he's doing and there's a purpose behind everything he does. The Antichrist, master, and god is the devil. 
And the devil, Satan, who's capable of doing this because he tempted Jesus. Remember 40 days and 40 nights when he tempted Jesus? He said, if you worship me, I will give you this kingdom and this and that. And Jesus said, you know, don't tempt the Lord your God. Satan has the power to give the throne to the Antichrist, earthly throne, global authority. He'll be the, the world's leading dictator. Satan has the power to give him riches and glory and power. And he will greatly honor those who acknowledge him. And there'll be millions of them worldwide that acknowledge him. He's the Messiah. And he will make them, these followers of his, rulers over many people and will distribute the land at a price. So... Those that support the Antichrist, his, his honchos, those that support him, they're going to be rewarded with wealth, position, and power. And he's going to carve up the land of Israel between them, divide it among his followers. When he turns on Israel, initially, he's going to make that covenant at the beginning of the tribulation period. Halfway through, three and a half years, he's going to break that peace covenant. He's going to turn on them. Verse 41, he will also invade the beautiful land. Where's that? Koran? Yes. Referring to Israel, the promised land, the beautiful land. I'd love to go there one day. We all will once, one day. We're going to rule and reign with Christ when he comes back. So, something to look forward to. He will also invade the beautiful land, Israel. Many countries will fall. But Edom, Moab, and the leaders of Ammon, and this is in the Jordanian area, all those tribes of Edom, Ammon, and uh, Moab, they existed within the land of Jordan. All right? Will be delivered from his hand. In other words, this, these appear to be the Arab nations that he's going to conquer as well. Apart from Israel, he's going to turn on Israel. And in verse 42, he says, he's going to extend his power over many countries. So it's not just the Arab countries or Israel, but many. So we're looking towards World War Three here. All right, hold that thought. He will extend his power over many countries and Egypt will not escape. So he seeks military dominance over every nation on the face of the earth. We've already studied Daniel chapter 7. It predicts... In the end times, there will be a revival of the Roman Empire, a ten-kingdom coalition ruled by the beast. The beast is the Antichrist. Remember, we, we looked at the statue of Nebuchadnezzar, and we looked at the different metals and what they all meant, and there was ten toes. They represent the ten kingdoms, the ten kings. Do you remember that? The ten toes represent... The Ten Kings. The confederated, revived Roman Empire. This is why a lot of people, divines in the past, believe that the Antichrist will be a pope. All right? He well may be. I don't know. Israel is very important to the Antichrist. Extremely important. Because of its strategic geographical location. Plus, Jerusalem... The holy city will be the center of his universal political dictatorship 
under a one world government is coming and it's also going to be the headquarters of a one world religion. All those religions of the world, the ecumenical, they're all going to join together. They're all going to join as one. This is the Messiah that we've been waiting for, the Mahdi for the uh, Muslims. He's the Hindu God. Well, they've got numerous, too numerous to mention, but he's the one we've all been waiting for. There's going to be a one world religion. There's going to be a one world government. And it's all going to, the HQ will be right there in Jerusalem, in Israel. Very strategic, very strategic. The one world religion is going to be headed up by the false prophet, another one who's been set up by his master, the devil. He's going to head up the one world religion, the false prophet. The Antichrist is going to head up the one world government. It's going to happen. And the false prophet, he's going to set up the image of the Antichrist in the Jews' temple, which is yet to be built, but it will be. And that is the abomination of desolation that Daniel talked about and what Jesus talked about. Read Matthew chapter 24. So do you want to know what the abomination of desolation, Jesus says? Read Daniel. We've already covered it. Now we're going to get to the battle of Armageddon. Thankfully, we won't be having to go through all that. Not every nation is going to support the Antichrist because there's going to be a number of nations that support Israel. And if you don't support Israel, then you're going to be cursed. If you bless Israel, you'll be blessed. All right? God's chosen people. They still are, believe me. And God hasn't finished with Israel. Many, many, the Jews will be saved. Many, multitudes of Jews will be saved during the tribulation period. But not every nation is going to support the Antichrist. They'll support Israel. So there's going to be a major battle, a major war. Wars. They talk about the First World War, the war to end all wars. The First World War, did it? No. This one will. This is going to be the fight and battle on earth before the Lord comes back. The Antichrist is going to wage war against the people that support Israel. Multitudes of nations are going to gather in one place. Verse 40, at the time of the end, and that's talking about the end of the tribulation period, which is seven years. Now listen. At the time of the end, the king of the south. Now we looked at this last week about the different empires after uh, Alexander the Great. There's the king of the south and the king of the north. Remember that? And the, 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 the nation was divided and the empire was split between the king of the north and the king of the south. Seleucid and uh, Ptolemy, all right? And they were going back and forth, engaging in wars. Now, the king of the south here is referring to Egypt. They say, well, there's not a king in Egypt at the moment. But there will be. There will be. Just like there will be a, a temple. There may not be one now, but there will be. The king of the south, that's Egypt, will engage him, who's him, the Antichrist, in battle. So it looks like Egypt or allied with Israel here. And the king of the north, Syria, will storm against him with chariots and cavalry and a great fleet of ships. And he, the Antichrist, will invade many countries. See, he wants world domination, just like Hitler did, right? Just like Stalin did. No different, only this guy not going to get away with it, just like Hitler and Mussolini and Stalin and other despots like them. 
is going to invade many countries and sweep through them like a flood. So he's going to dominate and he's going to win a lot of these wars. All right? Verse 44. But reports from the east. Now this is, this is going to include the oriental nations as well. This is going to be a world war on a massive scale from the east. This could China, North Korea, they're all going to get involved. But reports from the east, probably the oriental nations... Would it include Japan? I don't know. Could do. They're Orientals, aren't they? And the North. They're coming down from the North. The North. What we're talking about. Russia. Russia. They're going to be involved. Will alarm him. And he will set out in a great rage to destroy and annihilate many. Because he's talking about a world war conflict. And they're all going to meet. The armies are all going to meet in one place at the Battle of Armageddon to settle this thing. The Antichrist and his allies will mobilize their armed forces on the plains of Megiddo, which is 60 miles north of Jerusalem. 60 miles north of Jerusalem. This is where the battlefield is that will take place in the beautiful land and he will gather them together into a place called, in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. That's Revelation. Write it down or memorize it if you've got a good memory. Revelation chapter 16, verse 16. Revelation 16, 16. He will gather them together into a place called, the, in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Armageddon, the word Armageddon, which you've all heard before, comes from the Hebrew word, which means Mount Megiddo. Mount Megiddo. Isn't that strange? Isn't that coincidental? No. So there will be multitudes of armed forces that gather together from every nation on both sides to engage in this tremendous battle. Verse 45 he, Antichrist, will pitch his royal tents. Remember, there's going to be ten kings, not just one, but he's the leader. He will pitch his royal tents between the seas at the beautiful holy mountain. Now, if you do some research, the holy mountain is Mount Zion. All right? And Megiddo, Armageddon, the plains of Megiddo, is between two seas. The Mediterranean Sea, and the Dead Sea, right in the middle, is Megiddo. Mount Megiddo, in my notes. Or Armageddon, it's the same place. It's in between the two seas, the Mediterranean Sea and the Dead Sea. And you don't go by kilometers, but it's 300, just for your useless information. We think, well, there's all these battles, all these people, you know, from all these nations and all these armies. They can't just have a little battlefield like the Battle of Bosworth in Leicestershire, if you know anything about history, in my, my county, with Richard III. No, it's just a field. This is massive, and it's still there. You can go visit it today. It's 380 square kilometers. So what on earth is that? Well, I asked my little phone, and it says 146,179 square miles. Is that pretty big enough to have a battle? Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah, and it's there, Megiddo, Armageddon. It's the same place. That's where the battle will be. Now hang in there. I've got one more page. This is good stuff. Verse 45. Yet he will come to his end, and no one will help him. So he's going to get his, and Jesus is going to do it. Along with all his, the allied armies of the Antichrist, he's going to prepare for this conflict, this, where he believes he's going to win, and he's going to be the supreme ruler. He's going to dominate all these nations on the face of the earth. But his time is running out because he's coming to the end of the tribulation period. And then what happens is the heavens will open and Jesus Christ enters the fray because Jesus is God and he can do anything he wants to do except sin. And he's going to destroy the forces of the Antichrist when they're all gathered together, opposing armies. The Antichrist and his army are going to be totally destroyed. Listen, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. And then the lawless one. Who's that? Antichrist. He's got many names. That's just another one. The lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow. How's he going to do it? With the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. Now, I want to quote from notes from somebody. It was very interesting, I found, and you can take it or leave it. By His name is Dr. Roger Barrier. He's a retired senior pastor. He holds degrees at... Baylor University, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he's also um, got degrees at the Golden State Seminary in Greek, religion, theology, and pastoral care. In other words, he's a very clever dicky. He has an interesting theory, and I think it's very interesting. It's worth listening to regarding the Battle of Armageddon. I think you, sent, you mentioned something about nuclear war as well. Now, listen to what he says. Dr. Barrier. He says, for hunt, oh, let me first read when he quotes from the prophecy in Zechariah, all right? Zechariah 14, it's regarding the battle of Armageddon, predicted. Zechariah chapter 14, verses 12 and 13. Listen, he said, this is the plague, Zechariah says, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is the plague with which the Lord will strike all the nations that fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh, now listen, their flesh will rot while they are still standing on their feet. Their eyes will rot in their sockets and their tongues will rot in their mouths. On that day, we're talking about, what does that refer to in the Bible? That day, the coming of the Lord Jesus. On that day, people will be stricken by the Lord, this is Zechariah, with great panic, they will seize each other by the hand and attack one another. It's going to happen. It's another prophecy. Now, this is what Dr. Barrier says. He says, for hundreds of years, students of Bible prophecy have wondered what kind of plague could produce such instant ravaging of human beings while still on their feet. What kind of plague would do that? Until the advent of the atomic bomb. Such a thing was not humanly possible. But now, everything Zechariah predicted could, he's not saying it would, it could come true instantly in a thermonuclear exchange. 
So it's very interesting, don't you think? I thought that was very interesting. Talking about World War III. Now let me close. Interesting. But will the Battle of Armageddon end that way with a nuclear war? Possible. Possible. We don't really know. But it's possible. Either way, those of us who are saved will be taken out before the tribulation period and meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's when we'll receive our resurrected bodies. But what we do know, nobody will help the Antichrist escape his doom. The king will do as he pleases. He will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will say unheard of things against the god of gods. He will be successful until the time of wrath is completed. For what has been determined must take place. Not even the phony religious leader, the false prophet, or his master, the devil, can help the Antichrist. Because all three of them are going to be cast into the lake of fire. Let me close with this verse. Their fate is already decided because it's written down in the book of truth. What's that? The Bible. Amen. Listen. Revelation chapter 19, 19 and 20. And I saw the beast. Who's that? Who's the beast? No. Try again. Antichrist. And I saw the beast. That's his other name amongst many. And the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on a horse and against his army. That's referring to Jesus. He's going to return riding a white horse with his saints. If you've never ridden a horse before, you'll be able to ride a horse. You won't get saddle sore or anything. You're going to be coming back with the Lord. What a day. Verse 20, and the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet. So I'm not making this stuff up, folks. All right? The beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast. And that is 666. And them that worshipped his image. Remember, he's going to set it up. That's the abomination of desolation. In the temple, they're all going to be wiped out. These both were cast alive. Who's that? Who's both? Antichrist and false prophet. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Christ comes back to earth, and here he will establish his glorious kingdom for a thousand years. That's the millennium kingdom. It's irrefutable. It's unarguable, if that's such a word. It's going to take place, and we're going to rule and reign with him when we come back. So, you know, just because we die, we're just going to be floating around like spirits and not be doing anything. There's many things that we're going to be involved with, and it's just the beginning, and uh, we've got a great future ahead of us, and we're going to see all this, but we're not going to go through the tribulation. We're going to be taken out. Amen? All right. Let's close in a word of prayer then. So glad, Lord, that you saved us, but even gladder now knowing that we won't have to go through the tribulation, we won't have to be persecuted and uh, be beheaded for our faith in Jesus like those tribulation saints will because they don't have the mark of the beast on their hands and their forehead. 666, no, we've been redeemed, we've been saved, we've been saved from the wrath to come. 
we've been saved from hell and eternal death and separation, all because of your great love and mercy when you called us by name and redeemed us. You brought us back from the clutches of the evil one, Satan, who is a liar and a thief and a destroyer of people's souls. Thank God that you have made the ultimate sacrifice and paid the price for our sins, the price that we couldn't pay when you died on that cross and shed your sinless, precious blood and were buried and rose again from the dead. Now, you folks that are listening to this message, you think this is scary stuff, it is. For you, if you're not saved, you need to be saved because you're gonna, the Lord's coming back at any time. You're either gonna be taken out or you're gonna be left behind. If you're saved and you're secure, you're safe. But if you don't know Jesus as your personal savior, you're not a born again Christian, then you're still lost in your sins and you will suffer eternal agony in the flames of hell. So don't be left behind. Call on the name of Jesus to save you, a sinner. Believe in your heart that he died for you and he rose again from the dead. And then go to church, a church where they preach and teach and believe the gospel, the Bible, from cover to cover, and grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and share your faith with others so they too can know how to be saved, how to be safe from the wrath to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.